Hi, Stephanie here. I am an entrepreneur, lobbyist, wife, mother, book lover, and political junkie. I think gender equality is still a work in progress in our homes, our workplaces, and our politics. And I love to learn, especially from other women. So I started Women Don't Do That, a bi-weekly podcast and blog to talk about issues women care about today and to inspire us to do whatever it is we think we can't do. Pauline Onger is a real estate powerhouse. She is the broker of record for Royal LePage Advantage Real Estate, which has offices in Smith Falls and Perth, Ontario, Canada. She has held many titles in her 35-year career, including the president of the Canadian Real Estate Association and the Ontario Real Estate Association, just to name a few. She is a very engaged member of her community and a chronic volunteer. Welcome, Pauline. I want to ask you what motivates you to live your best life. I, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, I think I'm motivated because I I'm one of those people who like to make people happy. Mm-hmm. So I've always thought that kind of motivates me. Um, and the other thing, and it's and it's and it's kind of a a personal thing is I like to know as much as I can possibly know. So I always like to be in the know. So part of that drove me, you know, to be involved in um, organized real estate. It was because I like knowing stuff. Like, right. even as we're entering in Canada, federal election, I like knowing what everybody's platform is. I like knowing where everybody's position is. And I think it's just this grasp of wanting knowledge. Yes, I can definitely identify with that and appreciate that as well. I understand you were the first Royal LePage franchise in Canada. How did you get into real estate? Well, it's interesting because I came into real estate when I was very young. Lots of people come into real estate as a second career. And since I was in my very early 20s, I think of it as my first career. Um, But I was working for a lawyer, met a realtor who said, oh, I think you'd be a good fit in real estate. And uh, she was right. And I was. But I laugh because you evolve. You either, you know, I've always said uh, some people are very pleased with where they are in life and, and God bless you, you should be. But I was always sort of an overachiever, I think. So I eventually wanted to my, own my own company and Royal Page, who I worked for, was going to sell off their franchises. So there were five of us wanting to buy one. Four of them were men. I was the only woman. And um, so I beat them all to Toronto to uh, the Royal Page offices on November the 11th surprisingly enough went down on Remembrance Day and so I signed the papers first and interesting um, I'm now the only one of those five who's still the rest have retired or unfortunately passed away oh wow yeah I still get introduced as the original franchise which is kind of fun you know Um, I was out with a bunch of uh, Royal Page brokers in BC a, a couple of weeks ago and somebody said to me, okay, I heard a rumor that you were the first. Is that just a rumor? I said, no, it's actually the truth. So, Oh, that's so interesting. For listeners who might be interested in real estate, how do you become a broker today? Well, interestingly enough, in every province, um, they're different okay. because real estate is uh, provincially legislated. Um, and so in Ontario, uh, you have to have a broker's license and you to run a company, you simply have to open one and have a broker's license. Uh, but hopefully you have a lot of experience behind you and 
there's lots of courses you have to take and we're to very get, regulated in Ontario. So, right. uh, so to, get, to get your license, do you have to write a test? You have to actually go to Humber College okay. in Ontario. Okay. So Humber, uh, up until about a year ago, the Ontario Real Estate Association ran their own college. Now all of the uh, licensing courses are out of Humber. So they're, of course, virtual. Um, we're in a virtual world. And uh, so you have to register with Humber. And okay. there's actually a, a, a series of courses. You have to pass each of them with a certain percentage, 75%. And you have to do some practical um, work and online. And uh, then you eventually, after the number of prescribed courses there are, you uh, have to find a brokerage to hire you. Right. You, you only commit with a salesperson's license. Right. Oh, very interesting. Okay. How have the demands of the job changed for you throughout your career? Uh, it's interesting because this came up not that long ago when uh, Jen asked, uh, why do I not remember you being intensely working when we were on vacation as a child? And the difference is, of course, the internet. Um, mm. So that was the massive change. Because it used to be, if you were going away on vacation, you simply told all your clients, I'll be away for a week. They said, fine, see you in a week. Right. Um, but now it's a 24-7 or can be um, mm -hmm. seven days a week job because everybody's accessible. And right. I think that, um, you know, there are good points to it. I can write an offer standing anywhere in the world and send it to be signed. But it also means that you have to, you know, figure out how to have some of your personal time or else yes. you're consumed by your profession. Yes, I can appreciate that. I, I also have never worked in a nine to five industry. And when I hear people kind of say like, I shut off my BlackBerry or like people aren't allowed to contact me for a week or whatever, BlackBerry, I'm aging myself here, but I kind of, I, I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I think I would have so much anxiety, like shutting off my cell phone. Um, yeah, it, but it, it's, uh, I guess, to each their own on, on some, of, some of those things. What do you love most about your job? I think I love people most. Um, and I love the challenge of solving problems. So every day, um, I've said this about the real estate career, there is no days that are the same. So you start out in the morning and you have a perception of how your day is going to go and it, there's twists and turns in it. And so it's about, and, and, you know, I think realtors were the first multitaskers because, you know, you're always trying to solve a problem um, and help people. I think, I, I think, you know, I get great joy out of the excitement that people get from buying their first home, but also from people who are transitioning. You know, I have a lovely lady who just moved this week who's, lived in her home and is now going to a retirement home and, you know, just helping her through the process. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny. We, we like to think of ourselves as partners in, in their move, which we are, but, you know, we've also become very close family friends often through the process. So, I, you know, some of my best friends are people I sold houses to, you know, through my, my career. And I think that's, you know, that's part of the great thing about real estate is you're always meeting new people. And mm -hmm. if you, you know, use your career in a wise way and use it to meet new people, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's probably one of the most rewarding careers I can think of. I, think well, when, I couldn't be anything else. Yeah, that's right. I think one of the most challenging things for people in their careers, 
not for everybody, but for many people is the aspect of meeting new people. What advice do you have for people on that point in particular? Well, I often think it's, you know, people think that there are people who are naturally good at meeting new people. And I always say it's a learned thing. It's no different than anything else we do. And, you know, I, I always say, you know, when you go to a meeting or a committee for the first time, you wish it was six months later when you knew everybody and you came in and everybody, you know, knew yeah. So I always say, remember that everybody else is in the same position you are. Yes. You know, you walk into a room and, you know, it's a bunch of new people or you go to a home and it's a new couple. There are also, everybody has the same trepidation, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to say something right. You know, what are they like? Well, you know, and I think you have to remember that everybody's the same. There's not, mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, maybe there are a few people who are perfect at uh, new situations, but for the most of us, there's yeah. that little flutter as you walk into a new room. And especially, you know, I'll, I'll say this, we met at a reception mm -hmm. in um, Ottawa. And I remember walking into the room because I was obviously um, in a position with Canadian Real Estate Association. We we're also lobbyists. And I remember looking around thinking, oh, who will I know? Oh my gosh, I don't know anybody. You know, and you're trying to see, you know, say hello to people. But it's that same thing. You're looking for, you know, sort of the common corner. But it's like taking that one extra step and saying, introduce yourself to one new person. Yes. Yeah, it's I think that's really great advice. And one one thing I would say too, if you have to do a lot of uh, networking like you and I do in our jobs, if you can if you can take someone else with you and if you're actually from different circles, you can introduce each other to different people. Uh, and that always helps a little bit if, if you're a little bit intimidating, intimidated by going by yourself. You are one of the most influential voices in Canadian real estate, and you're also from a small town. And these two things don't always go together, Pauline. If you, if you drive around anywhere in the area where my family lives, which is where Pauline is from, Pauline's face and name are absolutely everywhere. <laughs> How do you overcome those barriers that exist because of that experience to rise to the top? Well, it's interesting because people people will say, "Oh, you must have to be from Toronto or Ottawa or Montreal or Vancouver to to become the president of the Canadian Real Estate Association." And I always say I'm from one of the smallest boards, but I think it's the fact that I never, you know, first of all, I embrace people from everywhere, and I, you know, I love going to the city, but I love coming home. And I think it's the fact that people, no matter where you are, are still pretty well the same. And I think it's, it's, you know, if you're going to do any kind of a career that has some political aspect to it, I think it's about being genuine. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't think I ever lost the fact that I, I'm from a small town, but I love and embrace things from other cultures, from other cities. Um, I think it's being open to change, but I think it's being genuinely you. Um, you have to always be the person you are, you know, you can't be a different person on a different day. And I like to believe that if, if anything, people will always say, oh, yeah, you know, Pauline is the same, you know, when she was 30 that she was when she was 50. There was no real difference in, mm -hmm. you know, my personality and how I treat people. I love that aspect. It's so important, especially when, when we're having conversations about politics. 
It also makes me think about, um, I interviewed Kate Ryan, who you also know well, who is my aunt. And she talked about, you know, establishing herself in other jurisdictions too. And she talked about how, like, if you're good at your job, it, that work stands in and of itself. And so that makes me think about you as well, because obviously you're, you're also excellent at what you do. Um, volunteering is a very important part of your life. And you talked earlier about that a little bit. How has being involved in real estate organizations shaped your career? Well, part of it is that thing about wanting to know everything. Um, <laughs> that if you're part of the people making the decisions, you're going to know what's what's happening as it happens. And I think that's a great part of it. And my network is, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, the some people, the clients I met with this morning are going to move out east, and the realtor they're using out east is a, a, a friend of mine, and <laughs> they didn't know when they gave the name that that was somebody I knew well. But it's interesting because um, the network, certainly um, Organized Real Estate gave me a wonderful network. It gave me the ability to meet people from every province and territory and, mm-hmm. and people who love what they do. And, you know, so, so that kind of broadens your horizon. So, you, mm-hmm. you know, you get to talk about different markets. And um, I, I think, you know, I've continued to volunteer in organized real estate. I, I chaired the Canadian Real Estate Global Committee last year. And so virtually I went to all kinds of great cities in the United <laughs> States and, uh, and to Greece and, you know, and, and I think that organized real estate kept me always, um, you know, on the forefront and sort of always knowing what's going on, but it also gave me some of my best friends in the industry. But I think when you volunteer, and I say this always, you get much more back than you ever gave. Mm, And it's about volunteering for the right reasons, obviously, and wanting to be part of a solution. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm still active in the community on a couple of committees, and I'm still volunteering at Organized Real Estate. But every day I learn something new. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, right now with the federal election, I'm really enjoying it yes. uh, because there's so much going on and we only mm-hmm. have, you know, 24 days or 23 days before the election. So, and, and that's not real estate, but it is real estate related because under mm-hmm. everything is the land. So, and there, and all of the parties are very anxious to have a real estate, you know, platform. And so, yes. so it's kind of fun I think if you, you know, volunteer and you're learning stuff and you're helping people, you're always going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I like that learning aspect and so many industries, like for listeners who are listening and and might not realize there are national associations for most industries. So if you want to like learn what's happening or, or shape what's happening in your industry, being involved in those organizations can be a great way to start. I want to talk a little bit about women in real estate. And I got a quote from your daughter, Jenny, who is also in real estate. And she said, as a woman in business, I never questioned my place in the fabric of our industry because of leading women like my mom, who have blazed the trail for the rest of us. So I want to ask you, how has the industry changed for women from when you first started your career to now? So when I began, there were very few women in mm-hmm. real estate. They were mostly men and um, and lots of opinionated men <laughs> on a women's position, you know, and um, and even, you know, I say this, 
in organized real estate, I'm maybe the only the seventh woman to lead the Ontario Real Estate Association. I think maybe the sixth or seventh to read the, lead the National Association. So I still look at the boards and realize we're still, you know, not weighted for women. Um, it's still, but I say this to women that it's interesting. It's much more difficult to be in a leadership role on an association when you're younger, mm-hmm. simply because you you have so many other things coming at you. You're you know you have a young family. Often <clears throat> you're trying to get your career going. You're trying to do volunteer work that has to do with your kids, whether it's skating or hockey or whatever. And sometimes you think, oh, well, I'll never do that. But the timing has to be right. right. And part of that is the fact that for women, we fulfill so many more roles. Um, you know, I often laugh about, you know, and not that I'm diminishing. There are great fathers who do lots of stuff at home, but it is really often the woman who organizes the family, you know, signs up the kids for whatever, yeah. you know, make sure, you know, the tights have been bought and the hockey stick is ready. But that's part of, I think, the challenge of women um, in leadership is going to be to find the balance because it's very difficult, I think, as a very young mother to, you know, say, I'm going away for three days, four times a year because I have an association that I'm on the board of. So uh, Zoom helped, you know, certainly interestingly enough, I think the pandemic helped because meetings weren't in person so that you could volunteer and not have to give up the travel time. Right. But, um, and I think what we're going to see going forward is a change in how associations have to run. Right. Because nobody in a no millennial wants to give up the time that's yeah. given up in the past. Yeah. Well, even just the cost of travel. Like when I have clients and for them to come to meetings, the meetings are usually in person and they have to fly into Ottawa. And they're gonna save a lot of money if they don't have to fly there for the meetings and they can just do them remotely. And it's been really interesting because you know, you used to sometimes have to host meetings without the client there. And now it's like, well, they can just be at all of them. Uh, so it does, it's certainly, yeah, shaping industries in a very interesting way. And um, maybe for the positive in terms of, like you said, for women to be involved in certain things. And even the parliament in Canada has been remote most of the time. Um, they've been doing a hybrid, uh, you know, and, and there's definitely been some, some kinks, but in some ways, there's also been some positives, I think. So we'll have to see what that looks like longer term. What it'll are, be interesting. Yeah, yeah it'll be really because interesting. I think people, though, have missed people. Yes. So the first thing, <laughs> there's going to be a, a real, when this finally- A lot of parties. We're going to want to be in person for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, uh, you know, when you're in the lobbying industry and you notice like there's so many parties all the time, there's like probably at least four you could go to every, every night or like Tuesday, Wednesday, sometimes Thursday. And, uh, yeah. So, and when you're used to that environment, it's hard to kind of go to nothing. Um, and when meeting people is so important, you can obviously still meet people online, but it is a lot more challenging. And, and I think, especially for people maybe who are more introverted because, it's, I don't know, to, to reach out to somebody you don't know at all and then to try and get their attention and then be like one-on-one with them on Zoom is different than being introduced to them as par- at a party or something, I think. 
Well, I think relationships and especially long-term relationships um, are difficult in a virtual world. Um, I think yes. there, are, you know, there are lots of dating sites probably argue with <laughs> me, but um, I think that part of the great thing about the networking events has been the development of relationships. Yes. And I think that's been much harder over the past 18 months. So I'm looking forward to sort of seeing if there's going to be a combination. So, so I think, you know, in association business, we're still going to see some meetings be in person, but certainly a lot of committees, I think are going to stay in a virtual world. Right. Because the the cost of travel has been so expensive and, and will be even more expensive coming out of the pandemic because of the, you know, the way the airlines have to refunction. So I think, It'll be an interesting next couple of years. Yes, it will be. What barriers still remain for women in real estate? Interestingly enough, I still think that, and and I'm you know somebody's going to shoot me after I say this. There's still an old boys club out there, mm-hmm. and you know the old boys still get together, and they're just have to be young boys. But um, I think there's you know always been sort of the men supporting the men. And I think we need more women supporting women. You know, um, there, there have been times in my, you know, career in organized real estate where men have said to me, Hey, you know, Pauline, I, I, I just don't think, you know, we're going to, there'll be another woman elected or whatever. And, you know, and I've never, I've always said like, nobody ever said there won't be another man, but it's, it's, it's an interesting thing that, we as women mm-hmm. need to push each other together. Yes. And I think that that's been something that women haven't been committed to. Mm-hmm. Men have been since the day they were born. They're going to help their chums, help their buds achieve what they want. And I think we, as women, we have to also do that. Mm-hmm. And it, start, it starts young. I, I had this babysitter come over. She was a family friend and, and like a few times, every time, she babysat, she'd say, oh, you don't know me anything. And I, I would kind of get riled up at her. I said, yes, I do. And you need to l- learn to stand up for yourself. You worked, like you are owed paid and I'm going to pay you and you should make people pay you. Like, it was like, we're going to fix this out of you. <laughs> well, and I think that comes from the long-term effect that a lot of what women do, and I, and I say this, you know, there are men who do it as well, but women have traditionally been the person who not only worked eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours, but went home and, you know, made sure the house was clean and made sure that everything was being done and, and, you know, ran the household as well. Yeah. And I think that that's part of, you know, nobody paid us to, you know, make the beds or, you know, uh, sort of the linen closet, but so sometimes I think we diminish what we do as sort of, oh, well, I'm just doing that. And I think that um, that's part of, you know, a learned process. And, and I think it's important to tell our daughters that no matter what they want in life, they can have it. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, to reach for the stars. It's not a case of, you know, when, when, you know, years ago, women had a couple of choices. You can have a teacher or a nurse or but a secretary. now anything <laughs> yes. and it's, and it's time to, you know, and, and when you look at women in politics, especially, mm-hmm. you know, we still don't have enough women who run, we don't have mm-hmm. enough women who get elected, you know, um, 
and we're you know I think that's part of you know there are, are some great women out there who would make great prime ministers who would make great premiers and I think it's you know getting them out and pushing them ahead mm-hmm. yeah absolutely such an interesting time for women right now given everything that's been happening and with the effects on women through COVID because I mean more men are definitely helping with things but the data shows that we're just still not there right so for for many of us it's it's still definitely not 50 50 even if even if it's not you know that they're not helping at all they're still not helping as much often so we have a lot of work left to do and maybe we're just and maybe we're just naturally better organizers in our lives yeah maybe so that's why we have the role I like to think that um, we're just really good at what we do. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're just, well, they always say it. If you want something done, ask a busy mom ask or something like person. that, right? Yeah. Hi, ladies. I want to pause to ask you a favor. We know that women are disadvantaged. The data proves it. We also know that with COVID, we are seeing further setbacks. We want more women to feel inspired to do whatever it is they think they can't do. I want to ask you to help me reach more women by rating and reviewing this podcast. It will help other women find us. I also want to ask you, if you find this episode meaningful, can you please share it on your social medias? A simple way to share is a screen grab with your friends. I want all women to feel empowered to live their best lives. Thank you. I want to talk a little bit about some of the things going on in real estate today. And we've talked a little bit about one of them, uh, about housing prices being high in Canada right now. And I'm sure that you are keeping a close eye on the election and the platforms because they are talking about these issues in the different platforms, especially about affordability. So for some of the listeners, if they aren't yet in the market, but they want to be, do you have any advice for them as new home buyers given it's like the prices are really prohibited for some people right now and i think it's about ma- managing expectations so mm. i remember saying to a broker in vancouver several years ago how does anybody get into this market and vancouver has always had a great market and yeah. he said pauline you have to manage you have to start with something small and then sell it and get something bigger and then sell it and get something bigger and i think that's really where we all are so you know what we have to look at is where it where is affordability you know is it a condominium is it a townhouse it may not be you know a detached home right now yeah. but that doesn't mean it won't be in the future and i think you know uh, years ago it was much more difficult to get mortgage money today mm-hmm. mortgage money. I, you know, I say this as a joke, I think we're giving away money these days, but <laughs> so back then you had to sort of look at affordability then based on the mortgages today, we have better mortgage rates, but the housing is up. So it's always about, you know, look at what you can afford, you know, the best people in your camp is a great realtor and a great mortgage uh, broker Yeah, and see what you can afford and work in that budget it doesn't mean you're going to live there for the rest of your life, but it's about, you may not get your, you know, childhood dream in your first home, but look at it as a stepping stone. I mean, Mm -hmm. most people today 
you know, have owned more than one house. So, you know, you look at your parents, they didn't, you know, start out in the house they ended up in. But that's sort of to be make sure that you're looking at affordability in terms of your own. And maybe it's a little further out and maybe you have to have a little more of a commute. And maybe it's something a little more densely mm-hmm. populated than you thought. But it's, it's about, you know, the majority of Canadians, and that's statistically, do want to own real estate. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, you know, getting into the market, you know, it's interesting because people say, oh, my God, you know, this market's going to collapse, you know, everybody's going to lose money. And I remind everybody, the only time you lose money in real estate is if you sell during a down market. Mm-hmm. So we've had ups and downs in the real estate industry for years. And if you went to the US to the 08, their collapse was great. And ours was, you know, barely a blip. But People didn't lose money in 08 unless they sold in 08. Right. So I always say, you know, it's it's about you're going to get into the market at some time, you know, get in and the market will, you know, hopefully always sustain itself because it really has over the last, you know, the lifetime of real estate in Canada. Yeah. 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 I wanted to ask you in terms of investments, thinking about, I'm assuming that many people that invest in real estate um, for different purposes are mostly men. So how, is that true? No? No. Okay. Okay. Tell me, tell me about this. So so I have lots of clients who are women who, you know, it's interesting because when we think of investments, we think of um, having to manage the investment and not everybody manages their own investments. So uh, no different than having a stock uh, portfolio being managed. So uh, lots of women want to get into it, but don't necessarily want to be the person who does the renting or collects the rent. And so that's why property management companies exist, which by the way, you know, uh, you know, one, but lots of them are run by women. So mm-hmm. property management companies are often run by women. And so it's a nice fit for a woman to, um, and I just, uh, you know, uh, Jen and I have a client who has had a number of investment properties as a woman. And so I, I oh, think- that's great you know, to hear. How, it is. So how and why should women consider investing in real estate? Well, I, I've said this always, it's one of the great investments that you can actually touch. So those of us who hmm. put money into the stock market, you never really understand it some days. Right. I can go over and touch the real estate I own and actually <laughs> see it. And, yes. and the thing is, real estate has, you know, turned out to be the greatest investment for most Canadians. Um, and you, I always think, you know, think about the people who in 1975 bought a house in Toronto and now want to sell it and, you know, retire somewhere else in Ontario. They're coming out, you know, they've maintained it. And they've paid their taxes, but it has been the greatest investment. And for many people, especially people who don't have a pension, you know, like a lot Mm -hmm. of Canadians are entrepreneurs. A lot of Canadians don't have, you know, a pension plan. That is your pension. You know, it's a great way to start one. Eventually after, you know, 25 years of paying the mortgage, the building is now paid for and you can use that money as part of your retirement or you can sell it and do something with it. So I think it's important, especially if you don't have a pension is to look at real estate as sort of that vehicle. Mm, I like, I like that. That's great. Yeah. I thought I should ask you because I, I know I could just imagine in so many homes, it being something that the husband considers or thinks about. And so I wanted to make sure to ask because I, I want us to know more about it. So that's great. 
<clears throat> is there anything else you want to add before I jump into the ending questions that I ask everybody? I think, you know, as uh, I never thought of myself as a pioneer, you know, mm. and it's interesting because people say, oh, she was a pioneer in the industry. I always think that we as women, there's not a role written for us. Mm. Nobody gave us a script the day we were born and said, this is your role. And this is what you're going to say. And so I think it's important to write your script mm. to, from the moment that you're capable of deciding what you want to do. Remember that the world is open to you and that you can always write your own script. Don't let somebody else write it for you. Mm, I love that. That's great. What is the best rule you ever broke? <laughs> the best rule I ever broke was never believing that, you know, you're just from a little town. You know, mm. you can't possibly do that. I, I, I remember <laughs> as a little child, you know, um, if people believe that you have a role and you should, you know, sort of stay in that. And I think, you know, I, I never, you know, let people who told me, you know, who gave me great advice. I probably did not honor the advice that kept me in that role. <laughs> yes. so every time they said, oh, no, probably and this would be a better idea. I probably didn't pay attention. Yeah, I love that. I'm not surprised. <laughs> What is your most valuable habit that was hardest to create? I, I think, you know, it was funny. I was, I was thinking this morning about a habit I started last week and that I've gotten out of, but probably the fact that I, I'm a note person. I have a, I still, you know, I will never have an electronic day timer. I need to be able to write while I'm driving. Don't tell people, but um, <laughs> I think my best habit has always been that I write everything down every day. And okay. So no matter what happens, I can go back and, you know, I'll find that phone number and I'll find that, um, you know, who I, who I talked to that day. And that's I good. think that's, that's important. I, I always love notes. And so I'm a big, you know, uh, list uh, creator, note creator. And, um, and I think that's probably the best habit I've ever had because um, it, it helps me to keep on track sometimes, yes. but I love notes. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Can you name another woman that inspires you? You know, it's interesting because there, there'll be a revolt after I say this. Um, Hillary Clinton always inspired me. Um, mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to meet her in person. Um, I think there's a woman who, in spite of some of the challenges she has had, and there's certainly women who would say she should have, you know, perhaps bailed out of her marriage. She, no matter what happened, she rose to it. And even when she lost an election that mm -hmm. everybody believed she was going to win, including her own party. And I certainly think her family, she handled it with such grace. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's one of the, you know, for a political figure, she's one of the people who just, I just thought, you know, no matter what happened in your life, you managed to keep going. Mm -hmm. and, and, and she also... Had her own path as as the secretary of state so she was always you know a character that i really do admire interesting is there a podcast that you're loving right now i love yours <laughs> um, so, so I have to, but i'm going to tell you a very funny thing so i have serious no plug for them a radio in my car and i was i don't know flipping channels and i came across one that lucille ball did 
she did a series of radio shows in 1964 where she interviewed famous people of the time, uh, Frank Sinatra, uh, you know, uh, Barbara Streisand, who was very young, um, uh, Milton Berle, all the famous characters, which is really what podcasts are today. Yeah. And hers are really very short ones. She did it. And, and it's amazing because She's talking to people about the drug problem that is growing. She's talking about women's roles. Yeah. She's talking about working women and raising teenagers. And I thought, oh my God, that was like in 1964. Part yeah. of the stuff is still very relevant. Oh my goodness. But, but it's interesting. So that, that's my pod for the day. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Tell us about a book that made you wiser. Well, if you look behind you, Mm-hmm. You'll see, I, I tend to have a lot, this is my office and I have a lot of books, uh, but one of them interesting is Kiss, Bow and Shake Hands. Mm. And it's a book about dealing with people in different cultures. And mm. it's, um, and, and as Canadians, we're about to welcome 1.2 million new Canadians over the next three years. And I think it's important to understand everybody culture and not you know not sort of take this hello we're Canadian you know get with the program it's more about understanding where other people are coming from and there are great you know um things that we can learn from other cultures and um and I think that's important I love that that's that sounds really interesting well thank you so much Pauline for taking the time to join with us today I'm sure for many people they'll learn some new things about the real estate industry. Maybe I'll have some people calling you about investments. (laughs) So thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Stephanie. It was great. Take care. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Women Don't Do That. I hope you feel inspired to do whatever it is you think you can't do. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Stay connected on Twitter and Instagram at Women Don't Do That. I would love to have you join the conversation, so make sure you join our next Instagram Live. Find all our podcast and blog content at womendontdothat.com. Join me next time. 